0: Welcome to the Get Healthy Tampa Bay podcast, bringing all things health and wellness to the Tampa Bay community. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Reller, board-certified family and obesity medicine physician. Please remember, while I am a doctor, I may not be your doctor. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and not medical advice. Please seek out your physician for your specific needs. Here we go. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Healthy Tampa Bay podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Reller, and today we're gonna talk about weight loss medications, otherwise known as anti-obesity medications. So why is it so hard to find treatments for obesity? Basically, there's the belief that obesity is a behavioral problem and that people with obesity could lose weight if they wanted to. Basically, using medications or surgery is considered a shortcut or an easy way out. This is obviously unfounded, but anyway, there are concerns it's about misuse or side effects of weight loss medications. And it's difficult because we're just learning now about the different weight-regulating pathways that our body and brains have. There's also a high prevalence of obesity, so we're concerned about safety and then, of course, about cost. Obesity itself, according to this 2018 presentation, adds about $137 billion to healthcare costs. Typically, we set a goal of about 5 to 10% of weight loss, and that is the goal because it can reduce all these comorbidities that are associated with weight. So just reducing weight by 5 to 10% can prevent diabetes, improve glycemic control in those who have diabetes, reduce the need for diabetic medications, reduce blood pressure, triglycerides, improve that good cholesterol, that HDL, reduce symptoms of sleep apnea, and improve markers of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So just a 5% weight loss can reduce these things by 50% and 10%, even maybe sometimes 80%. So there are certain hormones in our body like ghrelin that increase the appetite. And there are certain ones that suppress the appetite like leptin or insulin or GLP-1. Some of these things are very important on how some of our weight loss medications work. That's why I bring that up. So basically, weight loss medications are meant to be used long term. So anything that helps you lose weight should be continued long term to keep the weight off. It's true as the medications as well, as long as they're safe, not causing any side effects, and they are actually working to help you lose or maintain the weight. Therefore, we should be continuing them long term so that you don't regain the weight. So sometimes when you're losing weight, you get to this, what we call a plateau, or basically you're at a flat point where you are having trouble losing any weight. And that's because at that point, that's when those hormones increase. That ghrelin hormone, that hunger hormone is starting to get higher. So therefore, that's when we try to use some of these medications to intervene. Other hormones that are altered with 14% of weight loss are the increase of pancreatic polypeptide and GIP, which we're going to just talk about soon, but also the decrease of all those hormones that suppress hunger or induce satiety or make you feel full. So leptin is that common one that we hear a lot about. There's another one, amylin, and there's actually a new medication that's going to be focusing on that in the years to come. And some other hormones like CCK and polypeptide Y are also a decrease and those help with satiety. All these hormones that make you hungrier are getting increased and all the hormones that make you full are getting decreased. It's no wonder everybody that is trying to lose weight is actually really hungry. So for certain rules of us prescribing weight loss medications, basically, we want to make sure that you're not on any medications that are causing you to gain weight. And we want to make sure to do no harm in the first place. Typically, we may start with one and maybe add another if needed, but really it's individualized. There are certain medications for certain reasons, and they may help with other medical problems that a patient might have. So we really focus it individualized per patient. So I'm going to talk about the medications now, and some of them we use, some we don't. This is the first one I'm talking about. It's called Orlistat. So it's the generic name is Orlistat. There is a brand name called Xenocal or X. And then the over-counter medication is called Ally, which is about half the dose. It works as a lipase inhibitor. So basically, it prevents the absorption of fat in the gut. So you lose that fat in the stool. You have to take it three times a day before you eat, so before each meal, and it has to be used with a low-fat diet. It's pretty cheap. It's very affordable but it does interact with many other medications. And the reason why we don't use it is because it can cause oily stools or anal leakage and urgent bowel movements. Honestly, I've never prescribed this medication and I don't recommend it for anybody really because of those side effects. There are more serious side effects as well, including kidney stones and liver disease. So typically an older medication, not used that much. That's Orlistat. So then we're going to talk about that ghrelin. Remember that hunger hormone that increases food intake and it peaks before meals It's kind of what makes you feel hungry. Ghrelin can be suppressed by anti-appetite medicine, so appetite suppressants, the most common one being phentermine. So phentermine does suppress the appetite. Usually you take it once in the morning, though there is a shorter acting version as well. It's the most commonly prescribed weight loss medication. It's very affordable. It's a stimulant and it is controlled. So therefore you need an appointment in person to refill the medication. If it's lost or stolen, it can't be replaced. And it was approved in 1959 for three months of use. And the FDA has approved it in a lower dose and in combination for a long-term usage that we're going to talk about in a second. And some organizations do make you stop it, and stopping it typically leads to weight regain. So usually there's no harm in continuing the medication, but you have to follow the state laws. Possible side effects include nervousness, increased blood pressure, dry mouth, constipation. But typically those who can tolerate caffeine can do pretty well. But maybe someone with severe anxiety, that's not something we would use with them. So diethylpropion also is an appetite suppressant. You can take it two to three times a day. It's sometimes a little bit more tolerated than fentramine. It's very affordable. It is also a stimulant and controlled substance. You require appointments for refills. And FDA only approves it for three months, but long-term is considered reasonable by some. Some people who do have side effects on fentramine don't have them with diethylpropion, but it does have a similar side effect profile. Then there is a branded medication called Qsymia, which is broken down into the generic fentramine that we just discussed and topiramate in an extended release formulary. Topiramate is actually an anti-seizure medicine, an anti-migraine medicine, and then the fentramine is that stimulant. But in combination, there's good success that it has pretty good appetite suppression. The combination is more costly. We sometimes break them up into generics separately, and it has been shown to be pretty effective for weight loss. And some people it can even reduce that soda cravings because it makes carbonation taste flat. It can help with that evening hunger. There are side effects, kind of feeling tired or fuzzy, numbness or tingling sometimes in the hands. You can also have nervousness, increased blood pressure, dry mouth, and constipation. Again, that's from the meme And there are less common side effects, but birth defects definitely should be mentioned. So women should not get pregnant while taking this medication and actually need to be on a form of birth control. Some people make you do pregnancy tests monthly for it. It can cause some eye problems and kidney stones. There's other things to look out for if you're on that medication. But it's a great medication if someone is also suffering from migraines. The Fentramine by itself or Topiramate by itself don't work that well alone, but combined, they definitely have greater effect in having more weight loss at 28 weeks. The combination is about 10. or something on a half dose and a full dose a little bit more than that. So I'm showing a slide about the regions of the brain that work to control eating behavior. And this is because the next medication I'm going to talk about called Contrave works on the brain in appetite and in addiction medications and also for depression. Contrave is a combination of naltrexone bupropion. Both are anti-addiction medications. So this works really well on people who have a lot of cravings and thoughts about foods and they just kind of can't stop that food chatter. Now, trexone is actually used to treat alcohol or opioid addiction. And bupropion is an antidepressant and it also helps aid in smoking cessation. So if there's any smokers or someone who is struggling with alcohol, that'd be a great choice for one of them. Bupropion is contraindicated in seizures. So you cannot use that medication if someone has a history of seizures. Chondrives is not controlled, but it is more expensive. Sometimes we do separate it into the generics, and it's definitely not recommended for someone who's taking opioids. The most common side effect is nausea. That can kind of get better over time. Typically, we do a slow titration up, and if you eat it with protein, it's usually more tolerated as well. Dizziness and headache can also be common side effects, and some mood changes can also be a side effect, but it's usually less common. And then again, it's contraindicated with seizures. So the efficacy of the current anti-obesity drugs, kind of that we've talked about so far. So far, the best one there is the Qsymia, that phentermine-topiramate combination, and then phentermine alone, and then the Contrave, liraguthi, which we haven't discussed yet, we'll come to. And lorcaserin was actually pulled from the market, and then the Orlistat at the bottom there, being the least effective. The next class of medications are also used in diabetes. So metformin is the one I'm talking about now. It's technically not approved for weight loss, but it is approved for diabetes. It helps metabolic issues. It decreases the insulin response and kind of makes your cells more insulin sensitive. So one of the biggest problems with weight and difficulty losing weight is the insulin resistance that's going on in the body. And that's basically insulin resistance is a precursor to prediabetes and then diabetes. It's almost like a spectrum. However, our current medical practices don't cover some of the tests that we could catching this earlier. We can do the A1C and say you have prediabetes or diabetes, and that's a measure of the blood sugar average over three months. But the insurances don't seem to cover fasting insulin. And fasting insulin is something that can maybe catch this insulin resistance even earlier. A cholesterol profile also might help us aid in that diagnosis and just knowing whether there's a blood pressure issue or a waist circumference enlargement issue as well. Those are all things that can be indicative of insulin resistance. That's not exactly what I'm going to go over in this topic, though, mostly about the medications. But anyway, so insulin resistance is a big factor in difficulty in losing weight, and metformin can kind of level up that playing field. It does appear to decrease appetite a little bit, and it definitely reduces the chance of getting diabetes if you're already on an anti-diabetic medication. And metformin can reduce the risk of some cancers, including colon, lung, ovary, breast, and prostate. Again, those are probably also linked toward weight-related issues anyway. The most common side effect is upset stomach or diarrhea. Typically, we start low on this as well and then titrate up. Oftentimes, people will tolerate the extended release formulary better than the regular. So I would say if you hadn't tried that and you gave up because of stomach upset, you might want to retry that and ask your doctor as well. And that's also pretty important to take that with a meal. Because it's going to be more well tolerated on the stomach. And then some is better than none. You might tolerate one tablet. Sometimes we work our way up to two tablets twice a day, but whatever way that you're able to tolerate taking it with a meal is okay. Typically, metformin can cause a B12 deficiency when you're on the medication. So typically, I have everybody start a B12 supplement or I will wait and check a B12 and then encourage supplementation if it's low. Adherence to metformin for like 10 years can show that the weight change has decreased and then it stays down if the patient is adherent to taking it. And then this just compares metformin to other anti-obesity medications and shows that it actually can be effective in weight loss, even though it is not FDA approved for it. It's also really cheap, so typically we don't have a problem getting that covered. Then we're going to go on to the GLP-1 hormone. So the GLP-1 takes action in the pancreas and the hypothalamus and some other brain regions. It delays gastric emptying and increases beta cell insulin secretion, which all in turn increases satiety, basically making you feel full, slowing that gastric emptying down. And kind of making you feel full longer too. So these are LP1 agonists. They are FDA approved for diabetes and also for obesity. There's a caveat to that. But the first one is glutide. That's been around for a little bit longer. The Sexenda is the brand name. The diabetes approved medication is called Victoza, but it's the same thing. These are those GLP-1 receptor agonists, slowing that gastric emptying to make you feel full faster. Liraglutide is a daily injection, and it can be very expensive if it's not covered by insurance. Basically, anyone who has a history of thyroid cancer or, or multiple, multiple endocrine neoplasia syndrome cannot take these GLP-1s. Common side effects is that you could have nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, constipation. It can reduce the effectiveness of other medications that are taken at the same time. It can cause low blood sugar, but it's pretty rare. And then maybe some abdominal pain as well. The next one is semaglutide. You probably wouldn't be listening to this lecture if you were not hearing the news on semaglutide. So brand name FDA approved for obesity is called Wagovi. Brand name FDA approved for diabetes is called Ozempic. And the oral form for diabetes is called Rebelsis. They are GLP1 receptor agonist. They slow the gastric emptying, increasing that feeling of satiety. It's a weekly injection and definitely can be very expensive if it's not covered by insurance. I was trying to find some numbers and depending upon the dose of pen or dose you're on is kind of where I pulled some numbers from. So for Wagovi, it's $404 per 0.75 mLs. And I think that was one of the higher doses. And then Ozempic is 374 per mL. You need one a week. So that's not very affordable if it's not covered by your insurance. Once again you can't take it if you have a family history of thyroid cancer or multiple endocrine neoplasia. Semaglutide has been proven to be the most effective medication thus far except for the one I'm going to mention next and people have an average weight loss of 15%, so almost twice as much as other meds that Qsymia was about 8%. Common side effects once again can reduce the effectiveness of other medications, can cause low blood sugar, abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea and constipation. And Wagobi was actually approved in children 12 or older recently. I should say that the American Academy of Pediatrics had a whole release on treating childhood obesity recently, and there are some cases of medication usage. The next medication is terzepatide, um, otherwise known as Munjaro, and it is FDA approved for diabetes. It's currently under clinical trials for obesity, so it's not FDA approved yet. It works on that GLP1 receptor agonist, but it also works on a GIP hormone receptor, and that is the glucose-dependent insulinotropic polypeptide, a mouthful. But basically, the combination of these two make it very effective. So they're working on slowing the gastric emptying in the stomach to increase that feeling of fullness and satiety. But it's also working in the brain to increase satiety in the brain. It's a weekly injection as well. It's only on like two insurance plans right now. It just came out last June. It's very expensive, like $307 per injection. Also, you can't take it if you have a family history of thyroid cancer or multiple endocrine neoplasia. Also, caution if you have a history of pancreatitis. So far, it's most effective medication, average weight loss of 20.9% on its highest dose at 15 milligrams. That was at 72 weeks in the trial. It also mentioned that it was 33.9 fat mass loss, which is amazing. And some common side effects are the same, reducing effectiveness of medications, low blood sugar, abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, constipation, dyspepsia as well. So a little bit of GERD or reflux symptoms can be a common side effect. Sometimes with the nausea, we will give an anti-nausea medicine. And perhaps if they're having reflux, we may give a like famotidine or something else to help that. And that can be, you know, time dependent. So it's usually maybe after the injection or the day after the injection, then it kind of weans away. This one is also hydrated up slowly so people can tolerate it better. It is currently, once again, not approved for obesity yet. Then I want to talk about Vyvanse. Vyvanse or Lisdexamphetamine is treating binge eating disorder. It is a stimulant and a controlled substance, and it's often not on people's insurance plans. And it does require appointments for refills. And it can be pretty expensive if it's not in your insurance plan. It can cause a decreased appetite, anxiety, or jittery feelings, and a dry mouth. It is FDA-approved for binge-eating disorder and is the only medication FDA-approved for binge-eating disorder. I will say that some people do well on Contrave. Some people do well on Phentermine and even Cusimia and Topamax for binge-eating disorder. And I definitely think that Runjaro will eventually be FDA approved for binge eating disorder as well. It's really helping reduce that food chatter. And then this isn't exactly a medication, but it is a kind of device. It's called Plenity. It's a capsule that you take three capsules daily with a glass of water before eating. It's basically a hydrogel that forms in the stomach and increases fullness. It's FDA approved for BMI 25 to 40. And it shouldn't be taken people with surgeries on the stomach or intestines or significant medical problems with stomach or intestines. I haven't used it yet, but I've had some people ask about it. So that's plenty. So I just want to mention that I treat obesity as a disease. It should be managed like any other disease with or without medication. And weight is just a symptom. I have listed some references here, the Obesity Medicine Association, the Terzepatide recent article that was released, and also from a presentation from the Obesity Pathophysiology Focus on the Brain from Yale University or the Cornell Obesity Medicine course. And please let me know if you have any questions on these medications or anything else. You can find us on Instagram at Clearwater Family Medicine or Facebook, my Clearwater Family Medicine and Allergy. And I hope to hear from any of you if you have any questions and let me know if you want to work with me. I hope you enjoyed this topic today and we will do more if you ask and hope to see you listening in next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Get Healthy Tampa Bay podcast sponsored by Clearwater Family Medicine and Allergy. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with your family and friends. We would also love it if you took the time to rate and review us on iTunes. See you next week.